Rebag is a luxury resale marketplace. They have a curated collection of investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry. Each piece is carefully vetted and verified by experts. You can buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Hermes, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 10% off your first purchase with code REBAG10. That's Rebag.com to get 10% off your first purchase with code REBAG10. Betches Media presents Ha ha, laugh, funny Mention it all, a Bravo by Betches podcast We don't say that, but now we said it With me, Dylan Hafer Hold on, check me, boo Hey everyone, welcome back to the Mention It All podcast I'm Dylan Hafer and we have such a treat today Kicking off November, the holiday season has arrived So what better time to talk to podcast host, best-selling author, Danny Pellegrino. Hi, Danny. Welcome to the show. Dylan, I'm so happy to be here. I, I wish we were doing this in person, but we're going to be seeing each other very soon at BravoCon, and I'm I'm so excited. We are we're two ships passing in the Bravo night right now, but but we're going to be united for a crazy weekend to come in Vegas. Congratulations on your new book, The Jolliest Bunch: Unhinged Holiday Stories. It's been out for like a week. How has the the whirlwind been so far? Thank you. It's been so exciting. I was so nervous for it to come out. I was just nervous people starting to read it. And there's a lot of vulnerable stuff in the book, as well as hopefully stories that make people laugh a lot. But um, I've just been nervous for people to get it. But now uh, I it's out for a week and people seem to be really enjoying it. So I feel relieved in that way. Uh, and also very tired. I've been on a, a book tour and I was doing live shows around the country. And so I'm a little tired, but yeah, I'm thrilled that it's finally out. I feel like the holiday timing is always interesting because so your book came out the last week of October. It's November 1st right now. You know, Mariah Carey's defrosting or, you know, it's time. It's time. So your first book came out a few years ago and coming into this one, did you know right away that you wanted to do a holiday book? Because I know you love Christmas. You love the holidays, all of that. I do. Yeah, it is weird to be talking about it. I've been talking about this holiday book in October, which is kind of a mindfuck. But uh, yeah, my last book came out. uh, in March of last year. And I just sort of continued the writing process because when I was putting that book together, there were so many stories I wanted to tell that sort of centered around the holidays that I thought were really funny. And uh, luckily the first book did well enough that they let me do this book, a collection of holiday stories. And I really wanted it to feel like, I loved uh, David Sedaris has a holiday collection or there's a holiday uh, essay collection that the movie Christmas Story is based on. And I love the idea of people being able to pick the book up year after year and maybe reading a chapter or two each holiday season. But I just continued the process from writing the first one into the next one. So it all sort of blurs together to me. And some of the stories I had uh, written while I was writing that first book, but I sort of tried to save them for this one. And so uh, I'm just thrilled that it's out and, and people are liking it. It's like old school Real Housewives of New Jersey filming two seasons back to back. <laughs> Wait, okay, Dylan, you understand that too, because in the Housewives world, we're often in sort of a mind warp with uh-huh. the holiday seasons because, you know, they might be showing us uh, the Real Housewives of New Jersey uh, sprinkle cookies episode in uh, in March or, you know, you just never know when the holiday seasons are coming on Bravo. So, yeah. <laughs> I know it. it is always funny because it's like, certain cities you associate with certain holidays, like New York was in the fall for so long. And then when, especially I feel like after the pandemic, all of the filming cycles got really shuffled up. And so it's like, wait, 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 sorry, we're seeing Easter on this show. Like they're not supposed to be the the spring show. 
Right. Right. And I am firmly in uh, the belief that Real Houses of New Jersey should be a winter show. Like I want to see them in the faux fur or whatever they're they're wearing around the holiday season. I want to hear them talking about the sprinkle cookies. I don't like this. We're in a place right now with Jersey where we're filming these like baseball games and stuff like that. I, I need winter in New Jersey. That's what I personally like. And then something like Salt Lake City, I need the snow and I like seeing the snow uh when we get Salt Lake City. So I don't know, I do feel attached to certain seasons and and I wish we would go back to, with Jersey in, in particular, just go back to winter filming. I know, when I saw those Jersey cameras picking up in like August or whenever it was, I'm like, I, I want these women to stop being sweaty, like for their own yes. sake. <laughs> yes, yes, so sweaty. And also uh, I think the family drama works better around the holiday season when it comes to Teresa and Melissa, I, I think. It's at the holiday season is a time we're sort of forced to be with people we might not necessarily like. And I don't know. I just feel like Jersey should be a, a later part of the year show. <laughs> I I can get behind that. Uh, we, you know, maybe maybe this weekend in Vegas, we'll we'll be able to make, plead our case for, for switching up the filming timelines. Just because we're here, though, are you a fan of the Jersey Shore trips on that show? Because that's another thing. I'm like, I, I feel like I'm personally, and maybe this is not a popular opinion, but I'm personally tired of them going to the Jersey Shore and then doing the baseball game, which I know is for charity. God bless. We love the charity work, but. I don't mind seeing them at the shore, but I wish it didn't. It Now it's a compulsory part of every season that the early season trip will be to the shore. And I think, I think, you know, variety is the spice of life. We need, we need to switch things up. And it's like, we, we don't want to see Orange County go to Puerto Vallarta every single year. We don't want to see Jersey go to the shore every year. Like, you know, New York going to the Hamptons can get old, you know, there, there needs to be some, some variety. And I think the Jersey ladies are for how top tier of a franchise they are. They've gotten screwed out of some vacations, I think, because they have the shore. Yeah, totally. Yeah. What are you? So at BravoCon this weekend, you, I believe, are moderating Orange County and Miami. Is that right? Yes, I can't wait. Yes, I'm doing Orange County and Miami. I'm so excited. I loved this most recent season of Orange County. And I feel like it was finally a return to form because at least for me, there were a, a handful of flop seasons in there that I just couldn't get on board with. And I feel like this most recent one with the Heather and Tamara of it all, it just, I thought it was thrilling. And I thought all of the women sort of stepped up. And then Miami, I love Miami. I think it's like the, one of the best shows on television. I'm so thrilled that it's back, same cast. And I think the production value on Miami is incredible and consistent and so good. So yeah, I'm I'm excited. And I'm excited to meet the Miami women. I've I've met a couple of them, but I'm excited to meet them all. I've met most of the Miami women. They're pretty they're pretty fun in person. Like they kind of they give what you expect them to give. And like you you really get the the experience. And I think there's like such a a different vibe of like Marisol and Alexia are very Marisol and Alexia. And then Larsa's kind of quiet. Like she she kind of like keeps to herself a little bit. And like I think, you know, that cast is so strong. OC, I'm very curious to see the vibe at BravoCon because all of them are going to be there, including Vicky is like a part of the group now, I guess. <laughs> and then also and Ta Taylor Armstrong is going to be at the panel for Orange County. Yeah. Taylor is invited. Um, Shannon is, you know, braving whatever she's going through right now to, to show up this weekend. What do you think that kind of vibe is going to be like? Because they're in an interesting position of just having finished their season. I don't believe they're filming yet. So 
it's a very different sense than Miami where it's like they have a whole season to tease right now. Yeah, I'm sort of excited to hear where they've been at in the interim since the reunion. Of course, there was that big news story with Shannon that broke uh, right before the reunion started airing. But unfortunately, it had happened before or after production had wrapped. So we never really got any information about that directly from Shannon outside of what we've heard in TMZ and some of the press outlets. So I'm very excited to hear uh, how that is going to be addressed. And then, yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see where the ladies go. And I, I don't know, I'm always like looking at things, maybe it's a little conspiracy theory, but I'm looking at it like, oh, is, this must mean the whole cast is back, right? Like that's what, because the season wrapped and they're having the exact same cast. So I would imagine maybe they'll add someone or something, but my guess is that means they're going to have the same cast for next season. Again, I don't know that. I've never, I haven't been giving given any information but even with vicky i'm assuming that must mean vicky's back in a capacity for next season which seems like it's something that wouldn't have happened a couple years ago i feel the same way there with BravoCon, i feel like there's always a certain amount of kind of reading between the lines and you know it's like okay who's gonna be there to begin with and then i'm you know i'm looking at the the media room schedule with like okay so th- this cast is split up into three sections and who's gonna be with who and this is interesting that this person needs to be separated from this person and like the jersey panels that are being split in half for the second year in a row but this year jackie is with Teresa and Dolores and Jennifer. (laughs) It's like, it is kind of like you have to read the schedule with your like x-ray glasses on because there's a little more to the story. Yeah, yeah. I I feel like there's also so much information comes out of BravoCon and there's always new trailers and new footage. And there is some video that I think is going to be at the, I I hope people come to the Miami panel because I do believe, I don't know if I'm supposed to say that, but (laughs) I think there's like a video that, It'll be, be cool. it'll be hot. It'll be fire, as Adriana yeah, yeah. would say. <laughs> and a lot of that stuff, from what I understand from last year, I didn't make it to BravoCon last year, but there are certain trailers and, and video footage that happens on the panels that are even not on Peacock or they don't appear online. So they're sort of exclusives for the people that show up to the panel. So I, I don't know. I'm just excited to see it all. And I feel like there has been recently so much Bravo stuff coming at us with trailers and new season announcements and all of that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But of course, there's going to be way more that happen and drop at the BravoCon weekend. So I just can't wait to see like what they sort of surprise us with or or new shows they surprise us with. Also, there's so many questions about Ultimate Girls Trip and what's happening with that. And now there's Ramona news. And it's like, I, I just feel like it's going to be overwhelming for all of us Bravo fans. But I'm so excited. I know. I I Last night when the news that Ramona will not be at BravoCon was dropping, I'm like, so is this at this girls trip legacy panel are we are we pretending she doesn't exist are we are we mentioning it all like it is kind of like okay <laughs> i'd imagine they're going to address it right yeah i mean i i On don't think panel. you can just like pretend you know like it's a you know ramona is you know the elephant in the room i guess at this point but it is a little bit like okay, okay like what is <laughs> I don't know. I think there's a lot of with Bravo, there's always so much going on that it's like, you know, at the Vanderpump thing, like who's going to be sitting in the couch with who? And like all I mean, there's so every show and Carl, right? Like every show kind of has their little bit of like question mark of how are we going to address this? And I mean, I think it's interesting with Salt Lake City. They're just not doing a panel this year because last year was such a shit show. Well, and I actually think that's really smart because they are about to film their reunion. And one of the things that 
an unfortunate part of the BravoCon is that it could take some of the air out of the tires for those reunions if they're meeting right before they're about to do the reunion. So I'm pro that, although I wish there was a Salt Lake City panel because last year it seemed to get so messy. I think it's best to save the messiness for the the reunion. Right. So then the whole reunion isn't just like, well, when we were in Vegas. <laughs> yeah. And that's the other thing that I'm excited about coming out of BravoCon is it seems like the the actual event of BravoCon that leads to all this drama that happens on the shows now. So we saw it, I believe on Orange County, there was this thing about what Tamara had said at BravoCon when she wasn't even on the show. And then there are just, uh, there was like a Jersey thing last season was, or last year at BravoCon, wasn't there? It was like a fight outside the elevators and, and then panel fighting. Jen Aiden, like throwing a drink at Joe Gorga in the Gansevoort lobby or, you know, it's just like... <laughs> Calling all my honeys. Support for today's episode comes from Honey Love. Whether you're a bride, a wedding guest, or simply seeking everyday smoothing, Honey Love is the go-to for all things shapewear. Honey Love has revolutionized compression technology, so you no longer have to feel like you're suffocating while wearing effective shapewear. For a limited time, you can get Honey Love on sale. Get 20% off your entire order with our exclusive link, honeylove.com MIA. Support our show and check them out at honeylove.com forward slash MIA. When talking about shapewear, Honey Love's best-selling superpower short is the go-to. It has targeted compression technology that distinguishes between areas you want more support and areas where you need less compression. Their Signature X targets and sculpts your midsection without squeezing your natural curves. It's designed to work with your body, not against it. The superpower short is helping ladies everywhere sculpt and smooth from stomach to thigh by offering just the perfect amount of compression. You won't have to worry about it rolling down, which is unheard of in shapewear, thanks to flexible boning that's hidden in the side seams. This piece is also a booty lifter. Boost bands on the back and thigh give your bottom an amazing shape. Treat yourself to the best bras and shapewear on the market and save 20% off at honeylove.com MIA. Use our exclusive link to get 20% off honeylove.com MIA. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them. Please support our show and tell them we sent you. Move with confidence, thanks to Honey Love. Hey, I'm Andy Mitchell, a New York Times bestselling author. And I'm Sabrina Kohlberg, a morning television producer. We're moms of toddlers and best friends of 20 years. And we both love to talk about being parents, yes, but also pop culture. So we're combining our two interests by talking to celebrities, writers, and fellow scholars of TV and movies. Cinema, really. About what we all can learn from the fictional moms we love to watch. From ABC Audio and Good Morning America, Pop Culture Moms is out now wherever you listen to podcasts. Wait, Dylan, did you hear that thing about the comedy show that was like a fake comedy show? Oh, my God. Okay, so there was – so Joe Gorga, stand-up comic extraordinaire, had been, I guess, teasing that he was doing a show at um, – who's – Michael – no, who's – Oh, Brad Garrett. Brad, Brad Garrett. Garrett. So Brad Garrett has like a branded comedy club that he, I guess, you know, is a partner in. Jimmy Kimmel has one, too, that's like a Vegas thing. And so Joe Gorga like thought he was doing a comedy show at this Brad Garrett club. And then Brad Garrett was like, this show isn't happening. I don't know anything about this. And then Joe's lawyer said that they got scammed. <laughs> oh, my God. This would only happen in the world of Bravo, though. Don't you feel? I mean, I don't imagine this happening to like Nikki Glaser when she is on the road. Like this is the thing that is only happening. <laughs> 
within the Bravo universe. Yeah, I don't think like Chris Rock is getting like scam bookings from. Uh... <laughs> it is funny though because I when I saw this, you know, I I tend to be a little bit more on Team Melissa side of things, but I you know I like. I like good TV and I could just, mm-hmm. the second I saw this, I was like, no matter what really happened here, the Teresa stands are going to absolutely find a way to, <laughs> to pin this on Joe and Melissa for being like, you know, scammers or whatever, as they always are. <laughs> it's always a gift when something like this happens to all of the Bravo watchers, I think, um, because no matter what side of the aisle you're on, whether Ter- Teresa or Melissa, there's just good, there's just good, uh, I don't know, storyline to come out of it. But I did actually worry when I saw that story. I'm doing a book signing in Henderson in Las Vegas. I don't know when this episode will be up, but it's the Thursday of BravoCon. So the day before BravoCon starts, hopefully people will come. But I did have to go and confirm. I was like, just to confirm we're doing this. Because <laughs> I heard that and I was like, let me just make sure I didn't get scammed. But I will be at the Barnes & Noble in Henderson. Those Barnes & Noble Vegas. promoters, you really have to be, <laughs> you really have to double check. Dylan, you just never know. When you see something like that, I'm like, obviously there's booking scammers at BravoCon, but I am confirmed. So hopefully people come. There are so many little like side events and, you know, hustles and things happening. Like I was looking yesterday. I So I'm getting in like, you know, midway through the day on Thursday. And I was like, oh, I guess I could like do something on Thursday night. It hadn't even occurred to me. And Captain Lee is doing like a whole live show at some some venue. And there were like all of these different options on Ticketmaster because there's like the pre-event with Captain Lee, the actual event with Captain Lee, the the post-show meet and greet with Captain Lee, or the package to do all of it. I'm like, this is unreal. And I, you know, good for Captain Lee, I guess. I just hope I hope he has an app, Captain Lee planned, or we need to get him a spa certificate or something if he's got all those events planned. I mean, I'm worried about Captain Lee now that you mentioned all the things that he's got to do. I know that below deck cast, they really, uh, they work overtime. <laughs> they are just working that captain to the bone. Um, I, so you were on watch what happens live, uh, this week for Salt Lake city night with Lisa Barlow. I'm curious. So you've been on watch what happens live a, a handful of times, a few times. What was Halloween night with Lisa Barlow? Like compared to some of your other watch what happens live experiences? Okay, well, I love Halloween on a talk show. I mean, specifically like daytime talk shows, I'd say are just probably one of my all-time favorite things, like watching the Today Show dresses the Peanuts characters or whatever. So I was just so excited to be on a talk show on Halloween, let alone watch what happens live. And everyone always is so incredibly nice there, the Mm -hmm. crew and Andy and everyone. And I had never met Lisa before, so... I was excited to like have a Diet Coke with her. So we like both had some Diet Coke on the show. And it was uh, exciting too, because that show is so crazy in the best of ways, but they did like a costume contest. So I was in heaven. Every time we would be talking about something, there'd be like that doorbell ring. And uh-huh. then somebody would come in dressed as like a worm with a mustache or like one of those obscure Bravo things. So I was like living. Oh, and one of the things they told us, they gave us like these buckets of candy. And they said, anytime <laughs> the costume people come, like throw the candy at them. Uh-huh. And, you know, you don't often get permission to publicly just throw candy at people. And and so it was just, I, I, I just was tickled by the whole thing. It was also, it's also insane. And when you... I do. Also, what's so funny about it is like I have my parents were watching. They don't understand like any of the Bravo stuff. Mm-hmm. And on a normal watch what happens live night where there's all these crazy games and stuff, it's already a mind fuck for people watching who don't understand Bravo. But on Halloween in particular, just seeing like 
someone dressed as a worm that looks like a penis has a mustache and I'm throwing candy at them. Like, I don't, if you don't watch Bravo, you're just like, what the fuck is going on? Like, what is happening here? And so I love the chaos of all of that. So (laughs) that was just thrilling. And, and the last time I had been on was during Scandaval. I was on with Katie Maloney, which was incredible, but it it was so much Scandaval. We had to like really dive into that. So this was more of just fun and and uh, talking about Salt Lake City and all that stuff. So I had a great time. And, but I I felt like, um, would you ever see that meme of, uh, is it Hillary Clinton like walking into a house or apartment? <laughs> and there's she's, like, like plants in the sink, yeah. Yeah, there's plants in the sink. That's kind of how I felt, but like in a joyous way, like looking around at everything and just sort of trying to breathe it all in because there was Halloween decor and then costumes and all. It's like the peak version of like millennials explaining to their parents what they do for work. It's <laughs> It's like, no, no, no. There's so many layers that you're not going to understand here. Right. Right. And then even uh, because it was Salt Lake City night, we have to, Andy was asking Lisa all these questions about the show. And so she's talking about the hot mic moment and, and calling her friend Meredith the garbage whore and all that kind of stuff. And it's like, if you don't watch Bravo, you're just going to be so confused. But then all of us who watch Bravo were like, oh yeah, of course. Or, or during the after show, I wore that Heather Gay eye patch. (laughs) And if you don't watch the show, hearing somebody talk about like whether or not Heather is going to reveal who gave her a black eye on a cast trip, like it all sounds fucking crazy. Yeah. (laughs) Every once in a while, like my my dad will text me and he'll be like, I listened to your podcast. I'm like, respectfully, why? (laughs) Right, right. Yeah. I this season of Salt Lake City is so I, I am enjoying like every second of it. I think they have done such a good job. What the scene on this week's episode with Monica and her mom at that restaurant? I feel like I am in the Twilight Zone when I watch these two women interact. These two women should not be airing their relationship on television, but I'm so incredibly grateful that they are because it's thrilling TV. I, I it's nuts though. I mean, and there there's stuff that's been happening off screen. I don't know if you've been following like the tweets and stuff. Mm-hmm. But apparently, at that Easter party of Angie K's. Monica had fallen down the stairs in the basement. Yeah. And then Angie K had said that she threw a shoe at the kid, at one of the kids. And this was all happening before the sit down with the mom. And then the mom was on Twitter saying Monica begged her to do the show. She didn't want to do the show. I mean, it's just wild. And yes, they should not be on TV, but like I, I love them for being on TV. I prefer to call Monica's mother, Linda, by her Twitter handle, LD Millionaire. (laughs) It's it's just like so good. But it's so wild to watch on Twitter her be like, Monica begged me to do the show. I didn't want to do it. And then Monica shows up to this restaurant and she's already, Linda's already like full face crying at the table just over the thought of this interaction that she's going to have with her daughter. And then she's yelling at her before the waiter has even come to say hello. She like she's reaching in the purse for aspirin like four different times. She calls guacamole a lovely dessert. It's oh, just dessert. like <laughs> so I I really wonder kind of like what is what is up with with Linda. It's a little tough to watch. Yeah, it's also hard for me personally. I, I'm sorry to bring this up, but my mother's also named Linda. And so it's just hard to to have another mother named Linda on Bravo. 
Um, my mine is much different than this LD millionaire, but uh, yeah, that whole scene. But the thing with Salt Lake City is everything happened so fast. I used to feel that way about the old Roni. I used to call it Roni whiplash because scenes would happen and fights would happen so quickly. And then we'd be moving on to another thing. And, and it was almost like every moment of the show was so chaotic and, and you can't even really breathe it all in because you're focused on the last scene. And so you miss something crazy that happens. And I feel that's what's happening now at Salt Lake City in the best of ways. But it's like certain scenes happen and it's happening. So much is going on that we miss things and it's so chaotic. There's nothing better than when you're watching an episode of Housewives and you don't realize that it's about to be over. And then the like little credits start going on the bottom and you're like, wow, that was the such a quick 43 minutes because it's it's not always like that. Like there are episodes where I'm like, damn, we're only halfway. (laughs) Yeah, I know a slow episode of Housewives is really bad, but I love those, especially when they do like a supersized one and it's it's like 54 minutes or something. And those ones, when they fly by, it's like there's no better feeling. Right. And I think with Salt Lake City in particular, it's impressive that this season they've been able to really capture that energy because the last couple seasons were so gen heavy and it felt like we were kind of you know, going in circles with the f- the main four in the group. And I think, you know, going into the season, I was not super confident that they were going to be able to really like, you know, pick up the, the pace and they, they really have. Yeah, I think we needed uh, Jen, unfortunately, although her storyline was thrilling at times and there was so much good stuff that we got just from a, a television perspective, but we needed to have the other women be able to step into the spotlight a little bit more because it felt like for two seasons or however long it was, everything was so centered around what was going on with Jen in the legal case. So it's been fun. Cause I remember those, that first season of Salt Lake city, which I thought was incredible, but it, it felt more like an ensemble where there were so many uh, different moving parts to it. So yeah, I felt like um, we needed to let the other women shine a bit. She's in, she's in timeout right now for the next <laughs> six years or so. Um, do you think she'll come back? Do you think she'll come back? I mean, I know we're <sighs> like a ways away from that, but I do sort of feel like in six years, you and I could be on a podcast together and we'll be like, oh, that scene of Jen coming back and, and it'll be real. I think th- I can definitely see it happening. I don't know if there will be kind of, you know, the way things are going with Bravo and with kind of like, cultural conversations about maybe rewarding bad behavior and kind of how we handle things like this. I could see there being more of a sentiment of like, we don't give this woman back the platform that she used to scam people, but also like it's reality TV and we, we need to follow the storyline. So I, I don't know. I mean, I don't feel strongly about it right now. I think because it is so far away, but you know, who knows, we might be underwater in six years. So my early prediction, and is I have no knowledge of this, but I think in six years or however long it is until she's out, I think there'll be like a scene where we see a slow motion of Heather Gay like walking in a restaurant and dramatic music, and we maybe don't know who she's going to sit down with. And then we find out it's Jen, and there's like a one scene kind of thing. And it won't be like an official capacity or it won't be a main character uh, on the show, but it'll be like a sit down scene where Heather confronts her about the black eye or or I don't know what it'll be exactly, but that's my early, like way too early prediction. It'll be like Heather gets closure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it, she won't even be like a friend of, it'll be like a, you know, sweeps kind of thing where they tease the sit down with Jen Shaw. 
Yeah, like when we have, you know, Peacock being like broadcast into our like Apple Vision Pro or whatever, there'll be a, there'll yeah. be a scene of the virtual reality gen. I can't even imagine where we'll be in, in six years in the Bravo universe. Tonight, only on Disney+. Plus. My name is Taylor. Welcome to the Eras Tour. Experience Taylor Swift's record-breaking Eras Tour. Swift, the Eras Tour, Taylor's version, with four additional acoustic songs. Streaming tonight, only on Disney+. Plus. I'm curious, there are a lot of Bravo relationships that I feel like we're kind of watching go through a little bit of ups and downs. We can talk about Beverly Hills in a second, but what is your take on Whitney and Justin's miscommunications that are happening this season? Do you feel like that is real, or do you feel like they want some one-on-one scenes. <laughs> no, look, I think Whitney is like a stunning person. She's gorgeous. I, I even, there was a scene and I'm not, not necessarily proud of this, but I was attracted to the husband in a scene earlier this season. I forget when it was, but that said, I do have trouble. Like I, I don't, every time Whitney's in a scene, I just have trouble sort of taking it in. Like I don't quite understand her as a person, I think. And I'm trying to do better, but every time she's talking about something, it, it feels like so fake to me or it feels so, but, but maybe I'm just like reading it wrong or something, but every time she's telling us something, I, I don't know. I I'm like, not, this might not make any sense, but I feel like I'm not able to take it in. Like, I just, I, I don't know. I have like a block up when it comes to it and I'm trying to work on <laughs> everything she says or does on camera. I'm like, it, I, I can't compute it. I feel like that woman doing math meme. Yeah. Like, I'm like, I don't understand what's happening. I I get what you mean. And I think maybe Part of it is like on her that maybe she's not the best at communicating, at getting her point across. And I think that that scene with Mary is, you know, she she's not really capable of of delivering her sort of saying her piece in a way that Mary is going to really, you know, even think about. Like, it's just kind of like. Okay, little girl, that's enough. <laughs> little girl. I also feel like she does a lot of pot stirring in a similar way that Giselle does over on Potomac. But Giselle presents it a little more naturally. Of course, Giselle can be clunky too. But I, I feel like Whitney's pot stirring feels so clunky to me. And I'm grateful that she does it. It just is, it feels so clunky. Yeah, this week's episode when they're at the tailgate party question mark after cross-country skiing <laughs> when she's like so Meredith I just wanted to let you know that uh, Bobby's 13th birthday is happening and Angie is gonna be there and you have this habit of spreading rumors but it's like Whitney like you're the one that right. started talking about the rumor it, a couple weeks ago <laughs> it, that's where I think I, I ch- I'm checking out or I feel crazy watching her sometimes because I'm like I don't What's happening? Like, it's all so clunky. Yeah, I I don't disagree. I think she is fascinating to watch, but I don't necessarily root for her or like feel like I'm, you know, like on her team, even if I, you know, I wish her well and whatever. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Wait, do you feel like Heather Gay is sort of having a comeback season this season, right? I think Heather Gay is having a, a quiet season in the way that she kind of needed to. Needed. I think yeah. last year she just was like, so central in all of the Jen stuff in a way that ended up being really unflattering to her. And like, it just kind of felt like she 
you know, put her eggs in the wrong basket. And I think, I think this year it's like, she isn't really putting herself in the center of attention, but I think that that probably is, is for the best. And that so far we're probably, I don't know, halfway through the season. I'm not really, there's nothing really to be like mad at Heather about or annoyed with her about. And I think she needed that. I think she works best as sort of a Greek chorus. And like you said, not being in the central drama. And I almost feel like then she, she becomes uh, more of a starring role on the show when she's staying on the sidelines of the drama because her, I think she's witty and her confessionals are really fun and uh, all that stuff. So I do think she just works best without being in the main drama and sort of commenting on, on the drama around her and maybe having some like little side dramas, but yeah, it it was too much with all the Jen Shaw stuff, but, and I, I've always loved Heather Gay, but last season, of course, she lost a lot of us. Careful with how you throw on Greek chorus. Angie's going to come after you for for invoking, invoking her culture. (laughs) (laughs) We have been reminded of her uh, every episode. Isn't her tagline? Doesn't she say she's Greek in the tagline too? Most likely. (laughs) You know, I worry about the taglines because I'm finding that more and more the taglines are setting up like the full season arc. They've always sort of done it, but now lately it seems like, whatever is happening in the tagline that becomes like the driving force of the season and Sutton on Beverly Hills, uh, she's doing a heavy horse work in her tagline. And then in the first episode, there's a lot of horse stuff happening with Sutton. And I just, I don't know. I'm concerned about it. I'm concerned about it. I agree. I like the taglines to be a little bit more. um, What's the word kind of like abstract and a little bit nonsensical. And so Mm -hmm. when it's like, if your storyline is that you're writing a book, I don't want your tagline to be like, Nobody else can write my story for me. I because I do that. It's like we know. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I I think the taglines could use some work. Also the Beverly Hills taglines this season are like allegedly lifted straight from some Instagram account. Like <gasps> what? There yes, there was an account that was like they like suggested taglines for Beverly Hills I think in July or something and like a few of them are literally word for word the taglines. <laughs> So wait, did did a fan write crystals? Because I don't understand why she would record that. I know her. Whole, I think so. It, her whole thing is like about how wisdom with age. And I understand she's trying to say she's the youngest of the cast, I believe. But what I'm hearing when she reads that tagline is that she's just calling herself a dummy. Like, I, I, I don't know why. <laughs> that was my why. that was my initial reaction, too, because, OK, is Crystal younger than the rest of the women? Yes, I, I guess. But like. When I'm watching the show, I'm not like, oh, who's this child with a bunch of exactly. grown women? Like, I'm not thinking like, wow, the young one. Yeah, she's still an adult. And yeah, I don't I don't feel she's that much spiritually younger than everyone else on the show. And so when I hear that tagline, it makes me laugh because I'm like, I can't believe she recorded that. I know it's it is it is strange. But I love but her for it. What did you, what are you feeling about Beverly Hills this season? Because I think the the premiere was like an interesting, you know, taste of things to come. But I feel like people are not necessarily so excited about this season, just like as, as a thing. How, what is your take on that? I think there were a lot of bright spots in the premiere that got me excited. First and foremost, I think Dorit really came alive a few different moments. And for the past few seasons, I feel like Dorit's been on cruise control or, or there's been a little spark missing. Of course, I do know that she went through a traumatic event last season. And so I understand that. But um, it felt like I saw a couple of flashes of that first season, Dorit, that we got to know when she first joined the show. 
And that got me really excited. I'm also excited to watch Erica Jane without Lisa Rinna, because I think that that dynamic was taking a lot of the air up in the room. And so uh, I'm excited about that. The Kyle and Mauricio of it all, I don't know. I do worry in general, and I might be reading into this too much, but with the couples on Bravo, of course, it feels like the scandal happened and now we're leaning into the the couple dynamics in a way that it never felt like we did. And so the Kyle and Mauricio now is so central and and I just don't know that I am that invested in them to make the whole season about their dissolution of their relationship. Like I'm more interested in the PK and Dorit relationship than I am in Kyle and Mauricio, especially I think because that hasn't been spoiled all over the press a hundred times a day. It's like Kyle and Mauricio, we see the headlines every second and many viewers of the housewives probably aren't reading those all the time, but you know, I am. (laughs) And so I feel a little exhausted already and going into the season. I agree. Especially because we know that the kind of like, you know, quote unquote bombshell news about Kyle and Mauricio broke after they had finished filming. And then they picked up filming again as, uh, you know, reportedly. And so it's like, okay, if we already know that this is coming at the end of the season and it's the first episode and we're already seeing multiple scenes about it, it's like, oh, we've got 20 episodes to go. Like this, this cannot be, this cannot be what we're talking about every episode for the whole season. Like most storylines just don't have that much juice. Unfortunately, the problem with Beverly Hills for me is that oftentimes there are seasons where they just focus on one thing and it becomes the the one thing for the whole season. And that's why I mentioned that uh, Salt Lake City or the, those early Roni seasons where there's so many different layers and different uh, dynamics happening. And that's that's the kind of housewives I prefer. And other people might like something that's just more clear cut. I think there are so many housewife viewers and Beverly Hills in particular has super high ratings. And I think there are a lot of viewers who like being able to kind of trace that one storyline because they're watching when they're folding laundry. And so it's it's much easier to consume if it's just one thing. Whereas Salt Lake City, it's not as easy to pop in for an episode or miss an episode because then you hop back in and you're like, what the fuck is going on? But Beverly Hills, I think... It, anyone could tune it at any time and it, the same storyline still going on from three episodes ago. And that's what I don't like, but I know other people might prefer that. <laughs> just This just made me think about, I saw a story last night that they said that Sesame Street for its like upcoming 40 something season is going to like become more narrative driven. <laughs> <laughs> And so, did like, they release a press release about that? Yeah, it was like, it was like some like report in like the trades or something, but it's like, it's like, what does that even mean? And I think like Beverly Hills almost is that thing where it's like every week you tune in and it's like you get a little bit of like Pat the Puss Erica and you get a little bit of like Sutton at the store with Jennifer Tilly. And it like it does feel like it is kind of your just little bit of like, OK, like we watched this for an hour. Like it doesn't really mm-hmm. necessarily feel like you're following too much of a thread that you have to really be like keeping up with. What's your favorite of the shows to talk about or recap or do you have a favorite out of all the Housewives franchises? I think, I mean, Salt Lake this season has been fun so far just because there has been a lot going on. I think that, you know, it kind of depends on the season. I think Jersey usually feels like there's a lot of things to debate, especially if I'm, you know, talking to somebody that, you know, I don't always talk to about the show. It's like there's a lot of 
there's a lot of back and forth and choosing sides and things like that. I think, you know, just a recent example with this season of Roni, there were definitely weeks where it was like, I didn't have a bad time watching this, but I just don't feel like there's that much to really unpack. And, yeah. you know, it, 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 not every episode is is meant to be talked about for an hour. Yeah, not every <laughs> not every show is going to give it to us every season. I get that. Yeah. What what was your takeaway from this season of Roni? Were you, like one to ten? Like, how do you feel about that reboot project? I thought it was like a two. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't yell at me. I know people are going to yell at me, and I love the cast, and I'm very excited for the next season. My main issue with it was just that I wish it was a shorter season. I look at those old seasons of uh, those old first seasons of like Orange County, Atlanta, those ones that launched with like six episodes and a one or two part reunion. And I I think that's what the new Roni should have been. I think it was just too stretched out. So, so my problem wasn't necessarily with anyone in the cast. I just, um, and also at the, the reunion I thought was, uh, it was a lot, I don't know. I just, I didn't love the reunion either, but, but I am excited. I think the, the gals didn't know each other. And so the first season was going to be them getting to know each other, which is why I would have liked it to be shorter. So then they have a relationship moving into season two. Uh, but uh, yeah, I can't wait to see kind of where it unfolds. And there were a lot, there was a lot that I really loved. I personally love Bryn. She reminds me of like one of my very best friends personality wise. And so every time she's on screen and she loves antique books, which like, uh, that's close to my heart. And I love that. And so I do love Bryn. I feel like Uba uh, had a really kind of slow first half of the season. I think she had uh, been unable to film for whatever reasons or uh, I, I, on the show she had COVID or, or something that kept her out of some of the events. And so mm. she came alive that second half of the uh, season. And then at the reunion, yes, I think there were times at the reunion she was definitely doing too much like and in the second half of the season. But I felt like at least it was like giving me some sort of energy on camera, whereas some of the other women I felt like weren't giving me any energy on camera. Yeah, I think it's tough. Like you said, they were getting to know each other, but also they were like figuring out what their kind of on-camera persona was going to be in a way. And obviously you want people to be like their authentic selves, but like, you know, you have to figure out kind of what your approach is to doing a show like this. And I think with Uba, maybe the second half of the season, it felt like she got a little more comfortable, you know, expressing herself maybe on the show. And so going into a season two, it's like, yeah, maybe everybody kind of just like knows where they stand a little bit more. Yeah. I mean, a lot of the stuff that was happening with Uba at the reunion, like, yeah, it was kind of messy, but I think it was just, at least it was giving me something like for Jenna Lyons. I love her and she's great, but I don't think she wants to be on the show. So watching her sit there and very clearly not want to be there other than, and of course to promote her lashes, which is great. It's like, it's hard to watch uh, someone who very clearly doesn't want to be part of that process. Um, So at least with Uba, I felt like she wanted to be part of the process. And I know people are going to yell at me for that because I know I tweeted something and everyone's like, Oh, you lost me there. <laughs> but I, and I'm also looking. I'm I'm also looking at it like, okay, well, what are we gonna get? What's to come in the future? And I feel like I'm looking at the women. Okay, that first season is out of the way, but like, who gave us something that might be interesting in season two? And maybe I'll be totally wrong, but uh, yeah, I don't know. Like, Cy and Aaron really frustrated me with the. I love Jessel. Jessel, I think, was great this season. I think Jessel was something where I don't think they knew what they had with Jessel necessarily. And then she sort of like figured it out halfway. I remember at the beginning of the season, like before 
it had premiered or anything, I was talking to somebody who works at Bravo and they were like, I think Jessel might have a tough season. Like, it's just like a little bit, you know, hard to know if it's like a great fit. And it's like, oh, people love her. Like the gays, at least. I don't know. It's like, Jessel has like stands. (laughs) Well, and I think the first half of the season, I didn't love Jessel. And then there was a, a something you wanted to root for with Jessel because it felt like Cy and Aaron were going after her in a way that I, I, picking at straws or I don't know what the saying is, but yeah. like trying to, you know, they were trying to find something that wasn't there. And so I think we all rooted for Jessel then. And uh, she had some funny moments too. I didn't think she had a great reunion performance, but uh, I loved her in the season. Yeah, I think, you know, she's she's not always the best, like, thinking on her feet. Like, she kind of, <laughs> I don't know. Reunions are tough. I think everybody uh, everybody has to figure out kind of their their own route to it. Do you think the whole cast will be back next season? Jenna's not going to BravoCon, which to me is an interesting, uh, you know, again, like we said earlier, kind of reading between the lines. I, if Jenna doesn't want to be there, I don't know why she would come back for a second season. Like, I think she got what she could get out of it in a way um i think everybody else would probably be invited back if they you know it seems like it seems like it was hard enough for them to cast this show in the first place that they're not going to give themselves more of a challenge next season than they maybe need to i would like more side characters next season on new york because i felt like the cast we just had our main group but even with husbands i we got to know Jessel's husband, but otherwise, I just didn't really feel like there was any fun, quirky side characters. Like, I need I need some weird side characters next season. I don't know who exactly that be. When I think of old school Roni, I think of, like, uh, Dorinda's realtor or uh, that man Ray. Like, I need, like, those kind of quirky personalities to be, like, floating through New York. And I would like to see them filming at more uh, spaces where there are a lot of people around and... I would like more group interaction. It seemed like a lot of the storylines this season were focused on each person's individual traumas and stuff like that, which is interesting to get to know them. But I would like to see more of how their relationship dynamics are with each other. Totally. Yeah. Well, maybe at BravoCon this weekend, they'll get in some big fight that will be give them a storyline for season 15, I believe oh it would gosh. be. <laughs> Yeah. Um, Well, I am so excited to see you at BravoCon this weekend. And I'm so excited for everyone to check out your book, The Jolliest Bunch, which is available now. And thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. Yes. Pick up the book, Jolliest Bunch, please. I hate to beg people to to buy the book. We got to move the merch. I'll beg them for you. Um, (laughs) It's it's great. I'm having a really good time reading it. And it's definitely getting me in the holiday spirit. So make sure you check it out wherever you get your books. Uh, And thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to rate, review, and follow the show wherever you listen. You can follow us on Instagram at Bravo by Betches. Uh, Listen to Danny's podcast, Everything Iconic. Uh, You probably already do, but um, (laughs) always a good time. And until next time, be cool. Don't be all like uncool mention it all is produced by dylan hafer sean kilby jorge morales pico and rebecca sousmacat editing by jorge morales pico social media by dylan hafer guest booking by dylan hafer and ali friedlander be sure to follow at bravo by betches on instagram and twitter betches